Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome along to the Keelan Up, I mean the Walsh podcast this evening. Matthew is away doing, I don't know, something something that he's probably put all over Twitter or something like that. So you'll probably guess what he's doing. Uh, so yes, it's just uh, it's just your good friend Tom Walsh here this evening. But I have I have got some wise men say contributors to join me. Um, I've got uh, Johnny Lambert. How are you doing, Johnny? How are we, Tom? You okay, mate? Yes, I'm very good. How are you? Oh, I'm knackered, but my week is over now. I've got the uh, prospect of a long weekend and I'm a ticket for Birmingham. I'm just debating whether I should uh, get stuck in the Friday traffic and go down to it or not. I mean, you know, Friday off. I mean, what more could you want in life than the opportunity to go to St. Andrews on a silly night? I'm just one of life's winners with choices like that. <laughs> uh, also joining us is a woman that in 2012 said, three things cannot, lo- cannot be long hidden. The sun, the moon, and the truth, except by clouds and bitches. And for more of that wise wisdom, we welcome Eleanor McCabe to the Keeling and Walsh podcast. Uh, good evening, Eleanor. Do you know what? Honestly, I'm um, I'm hanging up now. I'm I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm staging a walkout. I am That's... not. I, I expect this. I expect this kind of negativity from Matt, but from you, Tom. Honestly, it's just it's, it's heartbreaking. Negativity. That's I. These aren't my words. These are your words. We all, we all. Right. I was thirteen at the time. We all posted <laughs> ridiculous quotes on our Facebook when we were thirteen. I have, I have nothing more to say. I'll have to refer you to my lawyer for any further uh, comment that I make on that. See, that's why when you get those little on this day thing, you go through like I do and systematically delete everything from about fourteen years ago. See, you know. It, that is smart, and I, I need to start taking that into account because they honestly that was that that's one of the better ones on there. Really, thirteen-year-old <laughs> me said way too many embarrassing things on Facebook. Well, it's it's, it's very deep, and very interesting, very much like this conversation will be about Sunderland AFC. Um, so right, yeah, we've got Birmingham on Friday, so we'll talk about that in a bit. Well, Eleanor, this week you went along to the uh, Red and White Army talking with our, uh, how should we say, esteemed ownership group of uh, Kirill, Kirill, our good friend Christian Speakman, and David Jones, was he there? David Jones was there and Steve Davidson was there as well. Steve Davidson, of course, friend of the pod. Um, Well, yeah, what happened then? 
Um, they just kind of they, they were mainly just talking about what you'd expect them to be talking about at this point. There were a lot of questions about obviously the upcoming transfer window. Um, there were a lot of questions about kind of how much control did Donald and Metvin and Satori still have. Um, and there were obviously <laughs> a lot of questions about Ross Stewart. Um I mean, anyone who was there will kind of tell you there wasn't a lot of new things kind of told to us. It was very much the party line was towed. They they set in place very quickly the phrase, um, look at where we were last year. There was yeah. there was a lot of things are so much better than it was a year ago. And they're, they're not wrong. We're, <laughs> we're no longer in League One. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> things are better. I think David Jones said he looked up kind of the results that we'd come off the back of a year ago and it was some ridiculous draw probably to Accrington Stanley because we just played them all the time in League One um but he was saying that like results are going our way ish at the moment um they said that kind of they were worried about the home form they said obviously that is a concern for them at the moment but that we need to be realistic in our expectations of a newly promoted team um which yeah, the 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 main kind of message you got from it was right. We're no longer Donald and Metvin. Everything's okay. We've come in and repaired what they've done. I don't know why I'm making hand signals there because this is an audio medium. So I, no I'm still got right. Donald though. Still yeah, he's still there. Well, and and this is if if you read the article on Wise Men Say that was published earlier this week, uh, this is a question <laughs> that a little plug there. There's a question that Mick, um, obviously Mickey Loft, Wise Men Say contributor, uh, did pose to them. He said, "Look, you're saying all this stuff about how things are so much better than they were a year ago. Um, that it was a mess when you came in. You didn't realize the extent of it, but." There's still photos all over social media of you with Satori. Um, we're still all aware that Donald's there. Kind of, how do you account for saying that everything's going to be better when they're still there? Um, Donald wasn't really kind of covered. They didn't say anything about him. But with Satori, they said, look, we we can't talk about anything that came before because we weren't here. We didn't have an idea of it, which I thought was a bit of a cop out, but mm. it was it was the comment they made. They said, yeah. we can't talk about anything before we were here, but Satori's been great since we've got here. We wouldn't have the connections in France we have. We wouldn't have the connections in South America. Um, and then there was also a line about him being a very busy, busy, uh, a very busy man with business and politics. His business and politics keeps him very busy, so he doesn't have time to pay a lot of <laughs> so he doesn't have time. <laughs> so he doesn't have time for uh, for little old Sunderland. Yes, exactly. <laughs> you say in there that everyone seems like, uh, well, the board seemed quite happy with everything. Like, Johnny, in general, I like, because this is the, uh, it's the last pod, we'll, well, the last Keeling and Walsh pod until after, after the World Cup or whenever we play again. So now is kind of a good time to, like, kind of reflect on, like, where we are and what we think. So, like, Johnny, are you content as the owners seem to be as content with how things are going? It's, um, it's tricky to be fully content with the ownership situation at the moment because I think it's incredibly unambitious and that's a massive concern for me. Um, I think well, Eleanor's point where they keeps going back to the the, um, the phrase, look what we were a year ago, I think that to me, it, it kind of reeks of a family who's freezing cold, starving, hungry, but hey, we've still got a roof over our heads. It's that <laughs> yeah. kind of... 
that kind of, you know, oh, we're not starving in Africa or, or some poverty country, you know, it's always like, well, you know, and the whole, we can't ex talk for Sartori and that before he arrived. Well, you're spending 30, 30 plus million on a football club. You'd like to think there was some sort of handover or due diligence done, which gave you an idea of how it was operated. So in that respect, it, it, it can force the, even the mildest critical thinker to be a little bit cynical. Um, I feel Speakman is is trying to um, insult the fans a little bit at times. I think he's, mm. why use, you know, five or six words when you can use a hundred and just try and lose, lose the point in there. Um, I didn't really like the kind of almost laughing at fans for wanting four, three, four, five, six strikers. When re the reality is if Luton Town can have five strikers and most teams in this division can have that many strikers, then why why can't the biggest draw in the division have that many? And that's a massive problem for us at the moment. Yeah, I mean, that seemed to be the main like elephant in the room, so to speak, of the uh, the talking where it's like, again, Speakman from reports, like, uh, and you'll be able to clarify this, uh, Eleanor, that it's the, the Ross Stewart question now. It's they seem to be building it up that he's going to go at some point. And if he's not had like signed an improved contract or he hasn't signed this extension to his contract, then it, feasibly in January, he can just leave. Like, oh, he can uh, sign a pre contract with any other team he wants and he can go for free. And they seem to be, again, they repeated the line of how. Leon Diaco is a striker and how Jack Clark is a number nine, that we bought him as a number nine, which anyone who's ever seen Jack Clark play football, like... From well, his Leon Diaco, to be fair. Well, I mean, Leon Diaco isn't... I mean, like, come on, though. He played for, like, Union Berlin Reserves or something, like, for, like, four games, so that makes him a striker. But say, for instance, we get to summer... And they haven't reinforced uh, with a striker or any strikers, then that means we've got Ellis Sims will have gone back to Everton and then we'll have sold Ross Stewart. So then we have what I would consider no strikers. But then would Speakman then consider we have two strikers still? It was it was really, really interesting because that was a there like there was a question along those lines. Where basically speaking had been saying, look, when we came out of the window, it's no secret we were in for another striker. He said we did want to try and bring one in, but it didn't materialize. He said ultimately we were happy with the two strikers we had who were out and out strikers. And then we had two, did he call them variety options? Something <laughs> like, he, he called, he, he called them something like, it was like excitement or something. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> it was I think it might have been variety. So they've got like a variety option. It's like the wild card. We've got two wild cards. Well, to be play. honest, Maybe they it's, you know, like Leon Diaku comes off the bench through like jazz hands and stuff like that. It's yeah, like... it'd be fantastic. Like performing full on like, like, um, yeah, like cabaret with like a top hat and stuff yeah. like that coming in. It would be absolutely fantastic. But yeah, he said we've got two out and out strikers and we've got two variety. And he said, that is what we wanted within the model, this football model right. that he wants to bring in. That is what we see ourselves happening, uh, having. And the question that was asked was, 
right so if that's the model and you were happy with that at the end of the summer transfer window does that mean that when both of those strikers are fit again and you've still got our two variety options the wild cards i'm just going to refer to them as the wild cards now you've got those two out and out strikers and you've got the two wild cards at the end of the january transfer window does that mean that you are then going to again be happy with that? Because you were happy with that in summer, you're happy with that again. And Speakman's response was, well, we've just got to follow the model. The model that we have is what we have and we need to stick to that. It's done well for Brentford. And then they went off on talking about Brentford and how Brentford have done well by buying players low, selling them high, and you've got to keep doing this. And for me in the room and for a lot of other people who kind of I spoke to at the half time that we had, they said exactly the same thing. That sounds like, yes, we are going to be happy with that. And it didn't feel like there was any kind of rush to bring in a third striker when they could strengthen elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, this stuff about, like this stuff, Johnny, about like, oh, we're going to be, we're going to be like Brentford. We're going to be like Brighton. This feels like it's just like how everyone wanted to be Southampton the other year or wanted to be Swansea. I think it's just like buzzwords with, because buzzwords like it sounds good because Brentford are doing well. And I don't think a Brentford model model would actually, does it, would it work here? Is it working here? I'm still waiting for the Dortmund model that we were promised. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> the Udinese model. Let's not forget that one. Of course. <laughs> yeah. My words. Um, yeah. yeah, I think the problem is, is if he's going down that route, and that's fine, there needs to be flexibility in it because football isn't as rigid as that. Mm. Things happen, like two strikers get injured, you know, <laughs> yeah. and then and then the model falls apart. Or the only players you could buy during the summer window were under the age of 20 and all Mm -hmm. of a sudden we have a really youthful team and then this new I don't know I think it's one of the sports scientists they they do this new thing now where they predict a breaking down of injury which was why Corey Evans and Alex Pritchard were arrested um, at the weekend Um, despite the fact that really in in a football sense you could say well get through this game and the next and you've got yourself a month off with a nice warm training camp you know mm. it's not like you're going into another you know, a busy christmas schedule so there's that's what this this rigid model has exposed the squad to and it's it's it is a bit worrying part of me thinks well he's speakman's bloody minded enough to stick to his beliefs and he's going to make unpopular decisions and maybe Sometimes that's good if you're not just getting walked over and trying to be everyone's best friend, which I'm pretty confident he's nobody's best friend there, to be honest. But <laughs> he might have a best friend. Like everyone has to have a best friend, I guess. Probably, yeah, Luke O'Neill probably loves everyone, doesn't he? But, <laughs> yeah, um, maybe. Really smart move of him, by the way, to get his fifth booking on the last day that bookings get written off. Well, yeah. Um, it's nice to have a plan, a philosophy, a model. It is is in? I believe that has been adopted from you know the under tens to the lasses to all the sides. So there's an opportunity for some sort of I don't know sustainability long term. Try not to sound like speaking when I use phrases like that. But um, unfortunately, it's a long term model, and at the moment we're paying for that in the short term, and it is worrying. And it is worrying that our best asset. Now, 
you can have two schools of thought on it. You could say we bought him for pence and we could sell him for, you know, over 10 million. That's that's very good business. It's only good business if you replace him with someone equally good or better, which is what they're claiming. But it's one thing saying that and another thing doing that because I think that could be their golden ticket to managing financial fair play quite nicely and bringing mm. in multiple players at lower values to supplement the squad and we don't necessarily get that 25 goal striker so that's where this model does kind of concern me and I think his interpretation of how um, successful Brentford have been with it they did have those you know pre-tax operating losses um, albeit now they are in the land of milk and honey which is the Premier League mm. and they're, they're, they're holding their own so I suppose you know it you can get there. The issue yeah. with the sorry, the also the issue with Stewart is like if he doesn't have a contract, if he doesn't sign a new contract, then you're not going to get these tens like this ten million or whatever. They're going to have to sell for like four or five because someone can just come in, say um, a higher up championship team, say like a Burnley, let's for example, they say, well, there's five million, and that's your wage trebled, and. Like and that's it. Like it's gone. And then this like kind of they will say, well, we turned three hundred fifty thousand into five million, but it's like you could have got far more if you'd managed this contract situation a bit better. Yeah, and the longer they run the con- longer they run the contract down. I don't know what I know. They've got the option to extend it a year, but I don't know if there's any um, complications in that. Like whether that whether that means that he has to have a certain amount of salary at that mm. stage or anything like that. It might not be as simple as that. I know they've they've made these kind of incremental contracts and buybacks and sell-ons and all those other things which make Sirkin's contract vulnerable. Um, yeah, but it gets them through the door and it gets them gets them on 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 the sheet. But yeah, for me, I mean personally, I want Ross Stewart to stay. I think he does the job of a nine and a ten, and I, I think they're quite a rare commodity. Prior to this injury, he was generally pretty fit and. I'd probably say he's going to be up there as the, in the top six strikers in that division. Um, yeah. And you're looking at that, is it Jerry Yates, the one who's at, um, at Blackpool? Yeah. yeah, Rangers want to spend 18 million on him. And Whoa. he's very good. He is. He's very good. Goals and assists. But if he's worth that, then Ross Stewart has to be worth that as well. And, and if Although it's not like it's not like Rangers to make, you know, very costly financial errors. Like, so, you know, maybe not the best uh, barometer to go off. Yeah. Um, with yeah, with the Ross Stewart thing as well is what they kept saying, look, like plan A is to keep him. We, we obviously want to keep him, which I think is what everyone in the room wanted to hear. But I got to a point where hearing them talk, and it might have just been wrapped up in the moment with the <laughs> with the um, panel. But I got to a point where hearing them talk, I was like, "Do you know what? If this model can work, if if they can make it successful, which I'm not saying they will, I'm not saying there's any chance of that." But if they can, the first player who gets sold as a result of that model, it is going to be a heartbreak. Like, it is fine saying, oh, this model's great. It's brilliant. But when you've got a six foot tall, beautiful Scottish man stood in front of you and you know it's him you're losing, like, that's when it becomes heartbreaking when you're seeing him, like, go. And if we do start to see a pattern of, right, 
we buy someone, we sell them for a higher price, they go and they replace them with someone who is as good, then that's fine. And over time, I can learn to live with that. Mm. What I can't learn to live with is if, as we have seen at the past in Sunderland, and yes, remember where we were a year ago, it's not the same (laughs) leadership team it was a year ago. But as we've seen in the past, we don't replace or even back up strength and positions with players who are as good or better. We always, always, and there might be a couple of exceptions, but I'm being hyperbolic on purpose. We always, always manage to get someone who's just a little bit below what we need. And my worry is that if we're going to say, we'll get someone better, we'll get someone better, but we need to sell Ross Stewart for that to happen. Well, if we're selling Ross Stewart, there better already be someone in your mind that who is better, who you know we have definitely got. It can't just be selling him on the whim that we might get someone else coming in. You need to have a really specific idea of, yes, this person 100% will come to us because if that's not the case, then we we are we are in a dangerous position in January. That's ex- that's exactly it. And you see when these these clubs that have these structures in place, the reason why they do so well is because they're always thinking kind of two, three steps ahead. It's like, for example, like we saw it with Brighton recently where Graham Potter left to go to Chelsea. They had a manager. They already knew that it was going to take over, you know, a bit left field and that. But it's the same thing. It's like when a striker leaves or when they lose players or whatever, they always kind of know who they're going to get next or the or like the kind of the persona of the player that they're going to get next. I'm not sure if that kind of thinking and strategy is in place because what have we seen like over the summer was we just buy these collection of very young, very raw and, you know, they have potential, but for the here and now, like we're going to have to wait. And I don't want to sell Ross Stewart to then bring it to fund you know, four more of these players, these, this caliber, this type of player. Like, I'd rather, I have a bit more faith if it was a bit more of a, a blend of the kind of signings we make. Um, but, you know, I've been saying that for ages. Um, I will say, just we'll wrap this bit up. Um, what was the mood like? Was everyone happy in the, the room? Yeah, people, people were relatively happy. I mean, like, I've, I have said it, I know that, Kind of, I've been a bit, got a bit negative, um, about what was being said. And I have, I have been a bit down on them, but it did feel like we were listening to people who were relatively professional and yeah. knew what they were doing. That it didn't sound like, um, a group of men who shall remain nameless, but are going to just come for a couple of pints with you down the pub before an away game. Or it didn't sound like a group of men who've just bought the club because well, it's Sunderland. If they come up for sale, you've got to buy them. They they did sound like they had a thought out plan and that was nice to hear. And I think that that kind of um, positivity did did come across from the crowd. I mean, we've been told time and time again, a group of Sunderland fans is a very intimidating and difficult and what's the word toxic thing to, (laughs) to be in front of. But I think people were genuinely impressed with what was said and I do think they put on even if I didn't agree with everything they necessarily said they put on a very professional display you felt like the club was in somewhat safe hands they're not going to go kind of tweeting 
about kind of um <laughs> at other fans and stuff like yeah. that they are going to actually kind of know what they're doing so yeah positive but a little bit skeptical but overall positive all right well that's quite nice then um speaking of professionalism it would be quite professional of us to go down to birmingham and uh, get a result uh so we're gonna have a break but and when we come back you're gonna hear from tommy from blues focus podcast who's going to tell you all about birmingham city and we'll be back after that Hi there, I'm Tommy from Blues Focus and I'm going to give you my thoughts and opinions on Blues vs Sunderland on Friday night. My thoughts on Birmingham City season so far are... Uh, well, I've been amazed really, considering how many thought we were going to get relegated stone dead last. Eustace has installed some proper football for us to play, got the players and fans feeling happy, you know, and as we currently sit 10th with the possibility of going 6th, it's, it's felt like a miracle almost, you know, particularly with all the stuff that's going off the pitch as well with the owners and the stands. You know, it, there's never a dull moment at Birmingham City, so just to have some good football for once and feeling fairly optimistic, it's just nice, you know. My expectations and hopes this season are, well, at the start of the season, it would have been survival. I myself thought that we were going to get it, for the, I thought we were going down this season. But now I'd just be happy with a mid-table finish, you know. <laughs> but with how unpredictable this season has been, I wouldn't be surprised if we kept on pushing on. It's nice to think that we could possibly have a little bit of a push, but uh, but you know, there's better teams ahead of us. And like I say, at this current stage, I'd be quite happy with a mid-table finish. You know, somewhere in the top half would be quite nice. My opinion on Sunderland as a football club are, uh, Sunderland are a massive club, and you, you, you see that when you go to the Stadium of Light. Uh, I did back in 2017 around Christmas time. We drew 1-1. Sam Gallagher scored for us. Oh, and yeah, Graban scored for them. That was annoying. I was glad to see them get promoted last season. There's far too many big clubs down in that League One. And it was nice to see one of them come back up. Uh, I don't know much about Sutherland, apart from Kevin Phillips, who was a favourite of mine when I was young, um, scored. Uh, well, he was the golden boot, wasn't he, for that season for Sunderland. I think Sunderland will finish in the bottom half. Uh, they won't get relegated. Uh, there's worse the teams in the championship, that's for sure. Uh, I'd say anywhere between 13th and 19th, I think that's where they'll finish. Started well, but the championship's a long and hard season. Um, and particularly for a team that's just got promoted. First season back in the championship. You know, staying up is a success. Blues players to watch are... Well, we've got quite a few this season. We've got the tireless Hannibal Medjbury. Medjbury? I don't know how you pronounce his name. Uh, on loan from Man United and going to the World Cup with Tunisia. Austin Trusty, who should have been on the plane to with Qatar. I regret not bringing him. Christian Bielik, who's also on the plane to the World Cup with Poland. Harley Dean, back from the dead, really. And he's been at his best for as long as I can remember, really. I haven't seen him play this well as a Blues player, that's for sure. Scott Hogan, on for 10 goals. Uh, he got his ninth on Tuesday night against Swansea. As well as Deeney as well, he scored the other night. You know, seasoned professional. Uh, he just wants to win all the time. You can see it. He's, he doesn't like losing. And it's really nice to have that sort of proper captain figure in the in the changing rooms. You know, it's the best team we've had since Gary Monk times, really. And, of course, Maxine Collin, how could I forget our right-back? He's just one of the best players in the division, really. Forever classy. He's always brilliant. My prediction for the match is 2-0 Blues. Uh, we're on a good run of form at the moment and uh, Zach from our podcast said that we weren't going to lose up until the World Cup period. 
Uh, I, I believe that now, you know, particularly after we got that draw late on against Swansea. Um, I think for Sunderland, the point would be good away from home Friday night. Travelling fans, of course, I can imagine they'll be taking lots. Um, even on a Friday night game, from all the way down from Sunderland, you know, that's commitment, to be quite honest. I don't know why as well, because the EFL, like, honestly, what is wrong with them putting Sunderland going down on a Friday night to Birmingham? ridiculous. Uh, I think Scott Hogan will score. I think he'll get his 10th. I think Deeney will get another one as well. Um, I'm, feeling I'm feeling confident. I'm feeling optimistic. And finally, the song most associated with Birmingham City is Keep Right On. It is, I, it, it is the best anthem you can have. It's written by Harry Lauder about his son who died in World War One, uh, which is rather fitting considering that it's Remembrance Day. It's the song that will keep you going through the toughest periods of your life. As the verse, though the way be long, let your heart beat strong tells you. It's emotional, it's warm, and I can guarantee you tomorrow it'll be sung beautifully. Uh, either before the minute silence or afterwards, I can't remember which way we do it around. Um, but we'll, it's like a much more slowed down, more harmonic way of singing this. It's really amazing, it's like a hymn almost. Even with the half empty stadium, it means so much to us all. That song resonates with people. It's what makes us Blues fans, really. You know, I think it's the reason why we are so passionate, because we're not a team that gets carried away. We're very down to earth. You know, it means more to us than football does. You know, the people around us we love, the badge we love. It's just the whole feeling of being a Blues fan, I think, resonates with Keep Right On, because, you know, as the song suggests, you know, it's not always going to be great in life, but the fact that you've got the Blues to come to is something that you should be thankful for in football as well. And, you know... We're not the best club in the world, and we never have been. But wearing this shirt just means everything to me, really, being a Birmingham City fan. And that song, Keep Right On, will be there for throughout my whole life. It will never leave me, that song. So, yeah, thank you for listening to some of my thoughts. Um, I do a regular match day vlog. I'll be there on Friday night, so be sure to check us out at Blues Focus TV. Thank you very much for the Wise Men Say podcast for having me on. And, yeah, good luck on Friday night. Look forward to having a, hopefully, an entertaining and exciting game. Keep right on. Keep right on till the end of the road, keep right on till the end. Though the way be long, let your heart be strong, keep right on round the bend. If you're tired and weary, still journey on till you come to your happy Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back. Uh, thank you, Tommy, from Blues Focus Podcast. That was very informative about uh, Birmingham City. Uh, Johnny, you're uh, you're going to go end up going down tomorrow, aren't you? Yeah, of course I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are. Because <laughs> you know you'll be twiddling your thumbs about two o'clock. He's like, you know, oh, could be going, could be going down now. Um, yeah. Have you been before? Yeah, I've been about well, three or four times. I remember I went to the um, when we had the FA Cup run when we got to. Um, play Millwall in the semi-final. I think we played them in the fifth round or the quarterfinals. I went to that one when Tommy Smith got two goals, I think, late on. And then I've been to a few few league games since. Carlos Edwards scored a really good goal there once. And then I went to that last game where we lost 3-1. I think Brian Oviedo got a consolation. And then I had the pleasure of watching us play Coventry there for our last game before the pandemic locked us all down and... They kindly played the Blade and Races as we were leaving the ground. <laughs> the ultimate humiliation. Yeah, yeah, yeah getting that played at you by Coventry City, who aren't even playing in their own city. So that's perfect. Any uh, any good memories down Birmingham, uh, Eleanor? Not necessarily the, the football. Any good memories of Birmingham? I don't think I've ever been to Birmingham. And I don't think what? I've ever been. I've, I've never been to Birmingham and I've never been to... Um... It's a second city. I know. I'm. I'm very. I'm really sorry. Um. I'm just <laughs> not. Apologise to me. <laughs> I, I, okay. no, I, I'm apologising to the people of Birmingham who are obviously all listening to this right now. I'm really Absolutely, sorry. I've never yeah. visited Birmingham. No, I've. I've never been. Um. I like the colour blue though. So, I guess yeah. that's a <laughs> consolation. I've never been huh. to you, but I think the colour blue is okay. It's not my favourite colour, but I, I think no. it's the right colour. Mm. Yeah. I will say a very, uh, it's a city that kind of gets a bad reputation of being a bit like dull, but there's some of, uh, some excellent pubs in, uh, in Birmingham, which you can read all about in this week's Cans and Megabus. Um, second shameless plug of the night. I mean, yeah, I might as well do it because Matt never plugs anything I write. So, you know, I've got to do it myself <laughs> now. He uh, would be the perfect person to have on to talk about Birmingham, actually. Yeah, he cause... would. He, but he's not here. He's not here. He's getting shouted at by his uh, soon-to-be former work colleagues. Um, <laughs> so but he is there tomorrow night. Is he, he is there tomorrow night. He's after. He, he's after me to um, drink with him, and um, and Jimmy Ray has decided not to go. So. <laughs> is he still hungover from last weekend? Yeah, he doesn't get hangovers. But, yeah. He doesn't get hangovers. He just, he just he just like, smiles he his like way he out of them. He looks constantly hungover. So it's like, uh, but anyway, that's enough about Jimmy Ray's uh, physical state. Um, right. Tony Mowbray was t- doing his talking again. Uh, it sounds like Niall Huggins is going to be back. Or he's going to be on the bus. He's on, he's, the, bus. Uh, he's on the bus. That's the new, that's the new on grass thing. <laughs> on now, grass. Isn't it? He's on grass <laughs> and now he's on the bus. Yeah, bloody hell. Uh, and he also he also cryptically said there's some injuries that he can't talk about. Um, he so... simply said there's lots of injuries, lots of but injuries. I think it was. But I can't tell you about those. Like, mm. who knows? Maybe he forgot. 
May, oh, maybe. I mean, well. <laughs> so, Birmingham City, where are you? You're 10th. Bloody hell, they're 10th. All right, okay. Um, so, they're 10th in the league. Uh, won seven out of 20. They kind of had an identical record to us until they actually started winning games and we started losing them. Um, so they're in actually quite decent-ish form. They've lost, oh, bloody hell, they've lost one in eight. Um, and no longer really the crisis club that I thought they were going to be. So I thought this was going to be an easy win, but I don't think it is anymore. Um. Yeah, they were tipped to go down, weren't they, at the start of the season? And I think, um, and they've got a bit of an untested coach in that John Eustace, who mm. has been like the assistant for Republic of Ireland, and then he's kind of a caretaker at QPR. And other than that, his only real full time managerial work was at Kidderminster Harriers. So I don't think he kind of excited many people when he arrived, but he's um, he seems to be getting a tune out of them now after a slow start. Um, he, he, you know, he's um, got some good experience in that team and some pretty good youngsters. And yeah, they're they're on good form now. And it's not it's probably not the ideal fixture for us, really. The only benefit we have is they played on Tuesday, and um, we didn't, which he's really annoyed about. He's so, fuming you know, about that. It's, it's one of them. We've got to make that our advantage. And I know that. Yeah, well, they've got five injuries themselves and if Harley Dean uh, captain is still injured that will be a massive bonus for us because they generally keep clean sheets when he plays he's mm. a good he's a good player for them a lot of experience so if he's not available that'll be a real plus for us they have also got uh, our good friend Dion Sanderson at the back so um, the Rolls Royce as, the Rolls Royce uh, <laughs> yeah as Lee Johnson refers to him as <laughs> I mean uh, well We'll talk about Lee Johnson in a bit in a bit later, but he, he's going he's going so well up there. <laughs> he's yes. having a great time. Yeah, I'm having a great time watching it. He is he is absolutely incredible. Um, right, okay, let's let's think about the uh, the team then. So if uh, now Huggins is back, do Eleanor, do you expect him to play a part, or do you think it's still too a bit too early? Um, I think I would put him on towards the end if it's 1-1 or we are winning I don't think I'd put the pressure on him um if we were either losing or kind of at the beginning I don't think there's any need to start him um I think that I mean yeah coming off recent form we're not relatively secure but I I don't think there's any need to kind of rush him on to Mm. play kind of to start in the team there's 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 no need I, I definitely think that from last week's team, I think Barr needs dropping. I think he needs, I, I, he, not even because I personally thought he was terrible, but I think he needs dropping for his own kind of mental well-being. You you can't let him suffer that much kind of, because um, people were fuming at him at the match. Yeah. And he, he will have, regardless of whether he blocked it out or anything, that will have kind of taken some sort of toll on him. And I think he just needs time out now until after the World Cup just to fully get back to, right, okay, I can potentially do this. Um, so, yeah, that would be my... So that's saying uh, bring back uh, bring back Corey Evans. 
Yeah, well, I, I I would either have Corey Evans or um, Pritchard starting. I don't think there's a necessity yeah. to have both of them starting. If you want to start one of them and switch it halfway through, I think that would be absolutely, like, I think that would work. But I think you definitely, and we saw this because we were just getting run all over in midfield. You need that experience in midfield. Neil isn't a terrible player, but he, like he's, he's young, but he, he's not that bad. It was just that the two of them together, they just didn't have that experienced per- person shouting at them where to go. They yeah. didn't have that leadership in in midfield. And it, it really, really showed how green they were when they didn't have either Evans or Pritchard alongside them. It's yeah, just positional discipline. They're perfectly capable technical yeah. footballers. It's just they don't have the positional discipline and that's why they got overran. It was really obvious. It's not... It's. It's not their fault. There's, there's the kind of ratio of talent to kind of discipline was just wrong on, on that day. Yeah, and it's like going up against a like a Birmingham team that's like Marshall. If like that Halley Dean is playing, then you got like a, a big leader yeah. at the back, and then you've also got Troy Deeney up front. Who, well, he's you know, we've all seen how Troy Deeney plays, and that is going to be a big test for the likes of Bart and I assume Bailey Wright's going to continue in this in this role and keeping keeping someone like Deeney at bay like even though he's getting on a bit it's still going to be quite a, a challenge I feel yeah I don't think Deeney will start I think um, obviously Scott Hogan's leading goal scorer probably the leading goal scorer in the league at the moment and he's um, he's likely to be um, partnered with the name escapes me now but um, the lad who's pretty good in the air um, let me just grab his name a second. Which is great when you've got a seamless. tiny team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we really want um, someone who can yeah. jump and be good in the air when our average height is about five foot four on our team. Yeah, that is a Yukovic. Yetovic, I think oh. his name is. He's very good in the air. Lucas Yukovic. Um, that sounds better. Yeah, yeah it's Lucas Yukovic. That's it. Yeah. Um, That's how you're in Europe, Tom. God, he's been um, there. For, he's been there forever. He's, he has, he's like- yeah. That's why I know how to pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I I personally think um, Nar Hogan's won't start. Um, I I can't, I kind of said in my preview article, which is available on the Wise Men Say. There it is. Just to complete the three, um, it should be dropping tomorrow, and hopefully won't contradict this too much. But I thought he may go over back four, bring Tri Human, um, Bailey Wright, and Bart as the two centre backs, and Sirkin as left back. But I'm kind of thinking he might actually move that to a back three with Sirkin and Bailey Wright either side of him. He can have mm. Jack Clark as a left wing back and um and he can have potentially try him, I suppose, as a as a right wing back if he wants. And then he can match Birmingham up on a three five two because Birmingham play a three five two formation. Mm. And if he wants to go down the Alex Neil route of having to match up an opposition goes I mean people have said that some people seem to think he's a bit negative but I think um, Mowbray's almost been a bit over attacking at times and yeah. um, a bit kind of overzealous in managed the first half we've probably got the, the players to win it in the second half and that's where we've kind of been a bit of a game of two halves team this season Yeah, are we, are we saying are we sticking with uh, Roberts, Diallo, and Clark across the across the um, across the attack underneath uh, underneath 
like behind Ellis Sims. That's a new um, formation. They're just going into like a, yeah, like a cheerleading pyramid. pyramid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'd, I'd stick dead. with those three. <laughs> I'd, I'd stick with those three up front. I think that they were they are a good. I was going to say partnership trio, quad, quad whatever. If we're, if we're including Ellis Sims, a I think, yeah, yeah. Thank you. Um, I think I think that they are they are working together, and you can see that even though. As my dad keeps fuming about, they're trying to walk it into the box. They do seem to yeah, do, have do some, they do seem to have some all right crosses in them when Ellis Sims is on. As you saw, we put a lovely ball in for Ellis Sims just after he left the pitch on Saturday. Yeah, um, that was funny. Put, put a lovely cross <laughs> in that he would have got right on the end of. So I think that if, if Sims is on the pitch, they can definitely put a cross in for him that once he's kind of a bit more up to speed and hopefully if he comes on later in the game, he will be able to get on the end of. But I don't see any reason to change kind of those front four. I think that if we can keep running at them, because one of their biggest complaints, as as I've seen, kind of as I've been doing some some research, because I'm a professional, obviously, um, as as I've been looking some stuff up, they've just they keep saying how like small their squad is and how the fact that this like really, I think they said they'd had something like. 20 odd games in 41 days and they weren't happy about or 11 games in 41 days and they weren't happy about that because they had a tiny squad and they keep saying about how tiny their squad is and how knackered their squad is and if we can just keep running at them play quick ball and actually play the football that we can play not whatever we were doing on Saturday play the football that we actually can play I I don't see any reason why we can't at least get one past them Mm. well as always, that we like to do in the Keeling and Walsh podcast, we'll leave it up to Tony Mowbray to decide what team he <laughs> decides on uh, on Saturday, uh, Friday. God, oh, God, it's been an awful long day, right? Well, I've got a lots of questions, and they're all they're all designed for Matthew here, but it's like <laughs> lots of things about eleven pounds, which uh, you know. Right, okay, so let's have a look. We've done the duck. Ducks, the, the size horses. One, yeah. yeah, we've done that. Stephen would batter him. We all know that. Um, I enjoyed the the one about Tony Mowbray and come dine with me. Well, you know, let me get onto it. Bloody Sorry. <laughs> right. What would Tony Mowbray cook for his guest going to come dine with me special? And who would the other celebrities be? Go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I put myself. Yeah. Yeah, go um, on. Oh, I, I think Tony Mowbray is firmly doing a kind a toad in the hole, but he's called it a, yes. a, a Tony in the yes. hole. Or, or he'd actually try and make some stupid pun where it's like a to- toady, to- toad, something along those lines that wouldn't quite work, but he'd really try and push it on all this, get like a to- toady in the hole instead of Tony. Anyway, I think he'd make a toad in the hole for them. He'd forget he had to make a dessert um, and he'd get some chalk ices out the freezer um, nice. last minute when he realised. And then for starter, I think he would just do um, some cocktail sausages on sticks with um, like tiny pieces of pineapple on top of them and present them in a hedgehog form uh, like you used to get at kids' oh, parties. Oh, yeah, pure, pure like 80s, that. Yeah, yeah nice. very much that vibe. Uh, do you not think you'd go with the Melton Mowbray pie to start Oh, lo- love it. Thank a you. lovely bit Thank of business. Yeah. Excellent. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. Uh, right. Right, Johnny. Would you rather live alongside 50 squirrels in your house or have to constantly wear football boots no matter your activity? 
Well, I have about 50 squirrels in my back garden, so I think it would be a smooth transition. Um, yeah, into, yeah, into the house. I don't mind squirrels. Uh, not, really. Yeah, I don't know. Are they vermin? I don't know. They, um, is it the uh, lesser grey squirrel or the red squirrel? That's, that's a... <laughs> I guess if you could have half and half and they just fight each other, then that'd be pretty cool. To the bitter end, yeah. Um, <laughs> to the bitter end. Um, football boots uh, in any social situation. It says uh, no matter your activity, yeah. That's from Rob oh. Coles. Thank you, Rob. Rob, um, I'd, I'd have to take the squirrels and then expect them to have a short life expectancy because I'd, I'd just eliminate the house of all nut-based objects and just wait <laughs> them to slowly die. <laughs> wow, that's bleak. <laughs> I you love your Thursday night comment. You don't, you don't want to be squirrel around old Johnny Lambert's Yeah, but who, who, who's laughing when they're wearing whatever they want on their feet after that? Eh? Yeah, yeah, true. Joke's on them. <laughs> Eleanor, you got squirrels or football boots? Well, I rent, so if it was squirrels, I could just get my landlord in. Uh, it's it's easier, isn't it? Sorted. I mean, what, what, there you go. Logical. Oh, cute. I, I don't have anything about against squirrels, but I, I think I might get sacked or at least a warning if, like, I turned up to work every day in football boots. That, like, yeah, but you'd have to explain the situation. <laughs> Look, um, someone on a podcast told me that I had to wear football boots. In that case, I'd be getting sacked for not being like sound of mind. Um, like they're not they're not going to let me continue to educate the minds of tomorrow if um I'm turning up in football boots every day and saying that because someone on a podcast told me I had to, I'm I'm wearing them. It's bad decision making. That. Uh, okay, I'd I'd also go for the squirrels. Um, what have you got against squirrels, Tom? No, I said I want them in my house. Oh, you'd go. For, oh, I'd welcome right, okay, them yes. with open arms in some. But you, so, you, so you wouldn't try and kill them off once they were in your house? Well, it depends what they would do. I reckon they'd be quite chill. Unless it started smelling of like squirrel poo, then that's where I'd, we'd have so to have a conversation. The squirrels. Yeah, then you'd have an army. Anyway, we're getting too much into this. Uh, Daryl Gray asks, have, uh, "When do you start your Christmas shopping? Does anyone start their Christmas shopping?" Yeah, I've yeah, my, my wife. My wife does it in about May, and that's it. We're done for the year. So uh, I have nothing good, to do with it. Yeah. All right. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's good. That's good thinking ahead. Uh, although I think Black Friday is probably a suitable time to do it. So. Uh, it's a scam, Black Friday. I'd, 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 it's a, it's I a real thing. It. It's a real thing. Well, I don't think I don't think it's like mermaids or like unicorns. I, I know It's it an American exists, thing, isn't it? Yeah. So, but things aren't that much cheaper. Like... No, but it makes for a good fight in a supermarket over a TV, doesn't it? Yeah, that is good. In the morning. Those videos used to be absolutely sick, but they've kind of like died off now. It's a bit, uh, the the best bring ones are where, where they were like filming people like, right, we're going to open the doors in like Britain for people to come in. They'd open the doors and be really excited. Like one guy was yeah. just walking in by himself and just nobody cared by, anymore. By an air fryer. Yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, they're never giving it away, are they? Um, all right, okay, we'll go with one more. Uh, this is actually a, not a bad one. Rich Shaw asks, it's apparent the Stadium of Light needs some desperate TLC, uh, I assume not the band, indoor and out. We, are, we already have the marvellous Bob Stoker statue proudly displayed outside immortalising our FA uh, Cup success in 73. Should we add another statue and who would you want it to be? Ooh, a it's, a, it's a good question. Me, for me, it's Lee Catamol. No questions Lee, asked. Yeah. Lee Barry Catamol. Lee Barry Catamol. And it has and... to have Barry on the statue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Particularly looking down at Jack Colback. Or we could have side of yes. 
We could have that, like, we could have, like, a statue of uh, Lee Catamull and Nicholas Bentner, like, smashing cars. Yes. That would be quite good. That would be. I think, I mean, he's he's not even left the team yet, but I'd, I'd choose Anthony Patterson because I love him and I think he's great. You can't, um, have, you can't have a statue of a man who's played half a season. I, I can. And do you know what? It, it's it's because it was the only way I got one over on uh, Christian Speakman on Monday. He, he asked, the <laughs> cra- he, he was talking, he said, who this time last year thought Anthony Patterson would be good? I was asking the question. I put my hand up and I said, actually, I did. Um, I can go back to my tweets and found it. And he just looked very embarrassed at that point. So uh, it was it was a highlight of my life. So actually, I'd like that moment put as a statue outside. The <laughs> Christian Speakman looking a bit perplexed. Yes, yes a bit perplexed. That'd be good. That's what I want as a statue, please. Johnny, have you got uh, someone in mind? Uh, we either wait until rigor mortis kicks in on Jimmy Montgomery, and then they or um, wow, <laughs> <laughs> who's con- is a permanent fixture at the club? Or um, uh, yeah, I'd um, probably go. I don't know, maybe it's a bit cliche, but probably, uh, probably. Uh, Super cab on the basis that he's still the only Englishman to have won the European Golden Boot, and I don't think that's celebrated enough. That is very true. That is a question, actually. Like, do you have to wait for someone to die for them to have a statue? Because we don't, because there's obviously that brilliant Ronaldo one and that new <laughs> yeah. Manny one this week, which is not the most flattering. But... Yeah. Okay, right. That's enough questions from all you <laughs> lovely people. But thank you for asking me lots of whether who could batter Gareth Barker more. <laughs> So, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Predictions. Uh, Matthew has texted me saying that we're going to draw one all. So, there's that. Uh, I think we're going to lose one nil. Uh, Eleanor? I think we are going to win 2-1. Oh, okay. Right. I have nothing to base that on apart from the fact that I think we need a bit more positivity. Um, and I think we need to go into the World Cup break on a win. So, I want us to win 2-1. Not not prediction. I want us to win. Two, <laughs> right, <one. laughs> right. Okay. Well, you want us to win. Okay. I want us to win. <laughs> Johnny, do you also want us to win? Yeah, I do want us to win. Of course, yes, that, that's definitely definitely my main um, hope. But um, I probably agree with Matthew that I think we probably you know the, probably a more realistic one would be one all. Although if we score first, we may may do. Um, we may do a little surprise, you know, we might get something from it. But the best off just going for it because they've got a month off after this. Just throw all their toys at it and see what they can do. Yep. Um I uh, I agree, even though I think we're gonna lose. Um but yeah, we'll we'll end it there. Thank you. Um yes. Well, good luck to everyone going down to Birmingham on Friday night. Hope you have a lovely time. Read that Kansas Megabus article about <laughs> the lovely pubs around there. Also read Matthew's article about his night in the famous Birmingham nightclub of Snobs, RIP. Um, it's, uh, it's an ex- it was an excellent nightclub, and it is a, a nice article. Um, thank you, Eleanor. Thank you, Johnny. And thank you all for listening. Bye. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 